Welcome to the Tainted Dragon Inn. I'm your host, Paul A. DiStefano. This episode will be On the Table, featuring in-game lore and background for the game world played by the characters in the Emergent Campaign series of novels. Audio effects provided by Sirenscape and Black Stiletto. You can find the Tainted Dragon Inn online at our website, TaintedDragonInn.com, on Instagram, and on Facebook. On this episode, the Midnight Observatory. The location of Midnight Observatory did not happen by chance, but rather a careful calculation by a sequestered brood of masters in all things eldritch, arcane, and forbidden. After years of study, they had properly charted the channels of power that flow beneath the surface, under every rock, stream, forest, and ocean. How they had come to such an accurate determination is unknown, as men of this wisdom are few and far between, and rarely find themselves driven to a singular cause. Themrock Dane was the leader of this curious coven. So many years ago, the number is unclear. Generations upon generations in the past, when the world was not so jaded as today. A mountain spire that no longer stands. That men back then called Marrow Spike was selected. The Chizek Yulani called it Layemnak, and the long-gone servitors called it Kormundel. A pilgrimage was made to the base of Marrow Spike, and preparations for the erecting of Midnight Observatory was made. Everyone knows the famous quote from Thenrock Dane, The stars are wiser than we. It was this ideal that drove them to the edge of madness, pursuing the construction of Midnight Observatory. For one hundred and one days they lay at night, in the rain, in the cold. Two dozen plus four wise men, laying in robes of crimson silk, blackened sackcloth, and simple linens, Men from far nations, some not quite comfortably even called men, and they lay and they chanted. They fished, and they went to a point high on a nearby bluff, starting bonfires and burning strange ritual herbs. Passers-by, traveling the river path at the base of Marrow Spike, would speak and point. The coven was not unfriendly, trading when they could, exchanging simple enchantments for food and supplies. But in the cities of the south, tavern talk was filled with wondering what the madmen were doing, lying in their robes at the base of Marrow Spike. On the day that would number the 500th after their arrival, Themrock Dane took five of his six most trusted advisors to the south, all save one, the Silver Woman, 
who remained at the base of Marrow Spike. How she had come to the title was unclear, as her robes were deepest black, inscribed with dark blue embroidered constellations. A tavern which stands no more was their destination, the Royal Dragon Inn. This is where Themrock Dane addressed the curious and the questioning. The stars are wiser than we, he began, addressing the crowd that extended out into the street. And we are but fools before them. There is a better way to be. There is knowledge to unlock in the clockwork of the sky above. We have seen this. We have this proven countless times. Comet, planet, star and moon spin complex maps which we are just beginning to uncover. As a sailor looks upon his charts with glass and compass, divider and rule, we look to create the tools to allow us to speak back to the stars. To not just hear the prophecies, but to challenge and ask them questions. But no small task, this. We seek to pierce the veil of heavens. Knock on the very door of the cosmos. And be let inside. You have seen us here. Nearly two years. For twenty-one moons. And we are now ready to take the next step. We would be so bold, and yet so humbly ask, which of you would join us? We are ready to erect the observatory, but we are few. We are not strong men, not of body. We would ask of you, who would set forth? and join us on our first steps to a new wisdom. We beg your assistance. If your back is strong, and your heart is good, we would take you on, and teach you how to help us reach that peak. We will feed you, and pay you a fair handful every month that you are with us. This is the first city we reach to, This is the first fair inn. Who would join us? I shall leave one of my advisers here, Nakos Longhand. Think upon this. Our offer is fair, but the journey is not simple. We ask your strength to help us stretch even higher. They traveled long days to cities within reach of the shadow of Marrowspike. The speech was the same, a few words may have shifted, but Themrock addressed each in turn, imploring their help in building a labor force. Soon, a makeshift town of tents, mules, fire pits, and workers assembled. True to his promise, Themrock Dane ensured that each man there received a pay at the end of every month. They were not asked to cut trees, haul stone, dig earth, or make any preparations. 
the curious talk of the coven of strangers in their robes at the center of the blooming outpost grew each day. They were fed. They were paid. And all that was asked is that they stand outside to be counted every morning, no matter what the weather. Those that asked what they were to do were given a smile, a nod, and an assuring word that they were doing just fine. Soon, word spread as it would of the place where you would be fed and paid for nothing. No sweat, no blood, not a thought or a word. Simply be there. They came in throngs. And no one questioned where these wise men got their coins from. They would perform their minor magics, filling wells and repairing carts for a minor donation. Yet, somehow, they had gathered the riches needed to pay nearly a thousand men. A great tome was kept at the base of Marrow Spike, a ledger with the name of every man who came to offer their services. And each day, more names were added. Until one day, the ledger man held up his hand. He looked to the line of travelers before him, come to take advantage of their offer. Good travelers, he called to them. I have reached a final line on the final page of my book. Before us stand 999. There can be no more. We appreciate your journey here and apologize, but we have need for no more. I shall pay each of you here now three crescents for your journey and regretfully send you back upon your way. I am sorry I cannot offer more than this paltry sum for your efforts. Back then, the sum of three crescent would buy a week of meals for a family. So, while disappointed, none complained, and they returned to their homes. The robe-covered men gathered that night, and rather than lie about staring at the stars, they danced. They shouted and whistled, clapped and jumped. Around a central bonfire, a great drunken swarm cavorted until the morning sun broke the horizon. The workers all watched, not entering the party, but starting their own on the outskirts of the coven circle. Instruments were pulled out. Bards wove tales and jokes. Songs and contests spread throughout the assembled masses. The next night, as a full moon lit the woods and fields in a silver hue, the original wise men looked different for the first time in years. Rather than the mottled assortment of robes and colors, in stark contrast from the merriment of the night before, they gathered in robes of gleaming black. The language heard that night was none that any of the assembled workers had ever heard. It had become common knowledge that the Silver Woman shared a tent with Themrock Dane. At dusk, she had set off south to the city. 
Themrock stood and solemnly watched her departure before donning the same black as the rest. Hourglasses were set upon tables, and many of the wise men used sextants and spyglasses, noting information on charts and papers. Small groups chatted excitedly, and they were watched by all of the men they had assembled. It is unclear exactly what happened next. The nature of what is known of the event will make it obvious why. The enrobed began a chant that echoed through forest and wood. Clouds gathered in what was a clear sky, and they glowed with a pale redness, although the sunset had long passed. As always, the curious merchants on the nearby road would stop and look at the now substantial town and wonder just what went on there. From the distance, they all recalled the same. Something dark moved in the clouds. The chanting of the astronomers grew to an inhuman volume and something struck. All who saw it from the distance agree it was not lightning. Some said liquid fire. Some said a pillar of light. But all know that at that moment, nine hundred, ninety, and nine men died as their bones erupted from their bodies as hundreds of shards of broken glass and the world shuddered. When the screams stopped, and they regained their vision once the intensity of the light had gone, observers saw it for the first time. Midnight Observatory. Somehow erupted upwards from the ground itself, the dark gray spire stood, and the mountain known as Marrow Spike beside it was gone. The earth was cracked and shifted. The river now boasted a freshly torn waterfall. Flat plains now held cave and crevice, and the newly formed Midnight Observatory. The gathered astronomers pulled down their hoods, oblivious to the now abandoned settlement around them, now a shrine of blood-soaked tents and they entered into the doorway at the base of the new tower. Many of the gathered returned to their homelands. As they passed through cities, people would cower and shy away from them. The astronomers paid them no heed, and every month, Themrock Dane would continue to travel to the city to the south for his supplies. He was met with a fearful respect in the city, now with buildings cracked and fallen, even though Midnight Observatory was miles away. One year after the birthing of Midnight Observatory, Themrock wandered into the inn where he had gone so many moons ago to gather his sacrifice. He ordered two fine wines and drank one. He was not cruel, nor was he remorseful. 
He chatted with any who would listen to his ramblings, although they made little sense. He spoke of parchment made of snow, prophecies from the stars none could decipher, doorways, those that watch. It continued. Every month he would gather supplies. No one was sure if he lived in the tower alone, or if others still remained for his studies. Every year, he would order two fine wines and drink one. It took seven years for the bartender to get the courage to ask. Master Wizard, might I ask a personal question? Themrock snorted. Not a title I would grant to myself, but feel free. Every year you come from Midnight Observatory, and every year you order two glasses of me finest. Not cheap, that. And you leave one. Every year. I've got to know. Themrock smiled slightly under tired eyes. He picked up the second glass of pale wine and swirled it, watching the dance of fireplace through the contents. She was my life. You called her the Silver Woman. The observatory is for her. The wine is for her. Her name was Midnight. That night, seven years after it burst forth, Themrock Dane climbed the spiral stairs inside Midnight Observatory to the highest floor and calmly stepped out off of the roof to plunge silently to his death. A year passed. It was clear no one remained inside the observatory. Grand officiants with nothing to lose ordered men to go explore the place and see what was inside. Those that returned reported a mad jumble of rooms, far too large to fit within the tower. Doors that opened to where they were before, in impossible ways. A stretching staircase to a room with a singular square hatch to the night sky in the ceiling. As expeditions continued through the years, it became clear that the first night of every full moon, snow would drift through that hatch and assemble into a parchment on a pillar table in the room. Words in unknown languages would flutter in silver and black on its surface. Touching the parchment would make it crumble, only to reform in place moments later. Foreign dignitaries soon learned of the tower and the scroll. They would send expeditions. None could decipher it. Soon, great minds would be sent from faraway lands with heavily armed men to make sure they got to try their hand at the scroll. Contests of strength and combat would occur until only one team stood to see the scroll. And still, none could ever read it. 
For a generation it continued, at every full moon. Midnight Observatory began to crumble. The necessary magics keeping it standing were dying away. Things changed. Some groups would enter the tower and never return. Great pieces would fall away. Men would come out, their memories unclear on what happened inside. Warriors and wise men alike would come out confused, unaware that they had even gone in, usually returning with less men than entered. Years churned by, and the tower became shorter and paler in the sun. Parts collapsed to time, and dignitaries no longer cared to send men to not return at all. Those who went in could not tell you what they found. Local treasure hunters too foolish to stop would go. Those that emerged came back with strange trinkets of little value, if they emerged at all. It stands still to this day, smaller, less imposing, just as cryptic a place as it ever was. What was once Midnight Observatory, which had taken the lives of a thousand men, now stands sentry as merely the ruins of a forgotten watchtower. We here at the Tainted Dragon Inn hope you enjoyed your stay at On the Table. Special thanks to Sirenscape Fantasy Player and Black Stiletto. Midnight Observatory and the Ruins of the Forgotten Watchtower feature in the Emergent Campaign novel series as part of the fantasy game that the characters play in. Thank you so much for joining us. Visit us at TaintedDragonInn.com, on Facebook and Instagram. This is Paul A. DiStefano. Farewell and fair journeys.